Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Well, when we started off 2021, we felt like God told us to declare that it was the year of His Spirit. And so uh, we've taught on that, especially during our Wednesday nights. We've taught on that all year long. And the Bible says this, it's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by what? His Spirit. That was a, uh, a, a scripture that became a, a motto, a rallying motto, a rallying cry. And so uh, when we talk about the Spirit of God, His Spirit is so vest or vast and powerful, and there's so much in that. It's just, it's, it's hard to really... Um, just narrow it down to, to one aspect. There are so many aspects. And I think uh, when we read the Christmas story, we find that it was the Spirit of God that spoke to Mary. It was the Spirit of God that birthed the Savior uh, from Mary. So the Spirit of God's been working since creation, since um, the birth of Jesus. And I want you to know this, the same Spirit of God is still working today. And it's still creating provision for us and victory for us. And so I want to follow along the line of just talking about the year of his spirit and, and more so how that connects to Christmas time. But how many of you remember, maybe you've done this, if you ever had little kids, if you have little kids right now, um, if you are a teacher in elementary or actually it could be any age, how many of you ever had to just look at those kids and go, shh? This is usually how it works. It was all good until you got on the phone. The moment someone called and you got on the phone, all this ruckus would happen, all this noise would happen, and, and you, you gave them the look and you gave them a shh. The more intense shh you gave, the more intense the situation. And the longer the shh went, the more the intense the, the, the situation was. Or, or maybe you're on a, you were somewhere and you just needed to focus or hear something, and you would turn to someone and go, shh. Well, don't you wish there was some way in your life, in the day and the hour that we live in, that you could just give something a shh. You know, there's a difference between shh, I'm about to whoop you, and I believe that's one reason Jesus came, to do that to the world that we're in, to do that for us. And we, we sang about this scripture just a moment ago, and I want to use the scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, and I know that you've read this scripture, it's popular this time of the year, but it says this, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and verse 7 says, for a child is born to us and a son is given to us. In that first phrase of that scripture, we see um, something very natural and something very supernatural. The birth of a child is, is very natural. To be given a son at the same time is something that is very supernatural. And Isaiah is prophesying this 700 years before Jesus was ever born. And he said, there'll be a child born, there'll be a son given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. That lets me know that Jesus has some big shoulders. He can carry all of your weight. He can carry all of your drama. He can carry all of your trauma. 
He can carry all of your situations and your conditions and your circumstances. He has big shoulders. So the Bible says the government will rest on his shoulders. I'll explain that in a moment. And he will be called. In the Hebrew, it took eight words to describe the divine function of Jesus. He will be our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And the government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and he will rule with justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And I like this last verse. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So the passion of God sent Jesus to us. The passion of God revealed Christ to us. The passion of God himself gave us the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. And the Bible says this, that the the government would rest on the shoulders of Jesus. And really what that means is this. You could substitute some words for government there. You could substitute some words like this. The misery, the distress, and the burden from the government And from sin will rest on the shoulders of Jesus. Now think about that. The misery, the burden, and the distress from the government and from sin would rest on the shoulders of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? I would like to say to you today that the burden, the distress, the challenges, the weariness from our government and from sin still can rest on the shoulders of Jesus. The Bible says he would shoulder that for you and I. And then it took these eight words in Hebrew that were combined to just describe his function. And so the Bible says this, first of all, he's going to have some names. And the first name it lists is he's a wonderful counselor. Well, that means he has the wisdom to lead us. If God was going to send his son and he was going to shoulder our distress and he was going to shoulder our misery and he was going to shoulder our burden, whether it was coming from government or whether it was coming from our own sin, we would need someone with some wisdom to lead us. And that's what his first name means. He has the wisdom to lead us. And then it goes on, it calls him mighty God, which means the strength of God, which means this, he not only has the wisdom to lead us, he has the power to deliver us. God would need to send someone if the government and sin was going to rest on his shoulders. He would need someone with the wisdom to lead us, and he would need someone with the power that could actually deliver us. And then he says he would also be the everlasting father. There would be no beginning. There would be no end. But he would also have the compassion to rescue us, the compassion to love us. And then I want to focus on this last word, this last name, these last two Hebrew words which is the prince of peace. And that means he also has not only the compassion, not only the power, not only the wisdom to lead us, but he actually has the presence to comfort us. So what God was saying is, I'm going to send my son. He has the power to deliver you. He has the wisdom to lead you. He has the compassion to love you. And he has the presence, the very presence of God will be with us to comfort us. So when we see the name Emmanuel, that's what it means. He is here with us. Isn't it good to know his compassion still goes the distance with you? And his wisdom in this hour, this crazy hour that we're in, his wisdom is still the solution we need. You know, every problem in your life, there's a wisdom solution for it. The Bible says there is a spirit of wisdom to lead us. In this hour, we have the wisdom of God. 
In this hour, we have the presence of Jesus, the comfort. Now listen, that, that sounds cliche to you, but there's a world around you that does not have that. There is a world around you that is not encountering that. There is a world around you that does not have that confidence or that faith. It's a big deal. Did you hear me? Look at someone say he's talking to you. It's a big deal that God sent that. And it's a, God, it's a big deal for us to have that right now. It's a huge game changer. It's a big deal for you and I to have that, to experience that in the world that we live in right now. And I love that phrase, the Prince of Peace. In the Hebrew, it's the Shar Shalom, which means this, he's the captain of your wholeness. He's the captain, or let me put it this way, the emperor of your wholeness, or let's break it down, the superintendent of your wholeness. In other words, he has it, he can give it, he will make sure he manages it to you, He's your Shar Shalom. He's your Prince of Peace. He's your Captain of Wholeness. Let, let me make it a little bit more real. He's the Captain of your health. He's the Captain of your sanity. He's the Captain of your completeness. He's the Captain of your prosperity. He's the Captain of your tranquility. He's the Captain of your welfare. He is the Captain of your wholeness, the Superintendent of Peace in, in, in your life. And so in, in that, that, that's what that Hebrew word would mean in the Old Testament. If we bring it over into the New Testament, it means this. He's our harmony. It means agreement between two parties, and you have it all together. Now, you may not feel like you have it all together, but there is someone residing in you that has it all together. As long as he's residing in you and he is the, he's the superintendent of your heart and your life, you actually have it going on, and you actually have it all together. So you're doing better than you think you are doing. Look at someone say, thank God. You might have it together more than you think you have it together. <laughs> you might have more potential in you to win than you think you do. You might actually be conquering and winning more than you thought that you were. And you might be at this hour in better shape, maybe, with everything going on around us, than you actually could have predicted or feel like. That was better than your amens. And we have to remember the time that Jesus was born in. So the time that Jesus was born in uh, was a little bit like this. Taxes were really high. Jobs were very scarce. We, were, we look at a, 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 a time when people were under Greek philosophy, and Greek philosophy wasn't fixing their sin problem. And they were under Jewish religion, and Jewish religion wasn't fixing their love problem. And they were under Roman law, and Roman law wasn't answering their, uh, their, their troubles or their problems of the day. So Jesus was born into a very challenging, very dark, very volatile, um, very, very, very um, the word I'm looking for, a very, very uncertain time. Remind anybody of a time that we might be living and breathing in right now? And so... 700 years before he was born, Isaiah prophesied there would be one that would come who could shoulder all of that. He had, the, he had the wide shoulders that could handle all of that. He could deliver them in the midst of that. He could lead them in the midst of that. He could actually comfort them and bring compassion in the midst of that. He could actually bring them shalom, and he was the shar shalom. He was the captain of their peace in the middle of chaos, 
oppression, depression, discouragement, and very, very uncertain times. How would God do that? The Bible said it was the passion of the Lord, of the, the host of the armies of the Lord who would do that. So Jesus would do that. Jesus would captain our peace. He would captain our wholeness, or the Spirit of God would do that. And so we've been talking about the, the year of the Spirit, and I want you to know there's a spirit of peace that can still do that work in your life and do that work in my life. And not only, and I would like to say this, when God does that work, it works. It really does work. So what I'd like to do is share with you what I would call what happens when God's governing peace is preeminent in our lives. When the governing peace of God is priority in our lives, when the governing peace of God and the spirit of peace in our life starts working, we let it work and we put our faith to it, there are these three things that happen. You ready for them? Look at someone and say, this is going to be good. I know it's Christmas service, but you don't, don't have to be so traditional, right? Everybody smile say, this is going to be good. Here's what happens when the peace of God and the spirit of peace and the shar shalom begins to captain your life. Number one, you have peace with God. You have peace with God. If he is the shar shalom and he is the captain of peace and he is the one who has it all together and he's the one who brings it all together and he's the superintendent of our peace, he's able to do something. Because the Bible said before you came to know him, you were actually in enmity with God or you were an, you were an enemy of God. How many know it's not good to be an enemy of God? It's not good to be in enmity with God. That means there is something between you and God. You are not on the same side. You are not in harmony. You're not in agreement. You're actually in disagreement. And when you're an enemy of God, God's against you. I want you to get that. When you're an enemy of God, God is against you. Everything he has for you, you do not have access to. You are in disagreement or you are not in alignment with that. That's the whole reason God sent his son Jesus. To break that barrier. See, the, the, the word uh, peace, so if you look at a word, you, you can look at the opposite of that word to discover what that word means. And here's what the opposite of that mean, means is this, it, war. Peace means the opposite of war. So the opposite of peace is actually everything that war would be stand for the pictures that come in your mind. And the peace of God is the opposite of that. But the awesome thing is, here's what God did. He put you in peace with him. He did this to your sinful situation. He went, shh. Let's read about it. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 5. I'm going to read you a few different verses. It says this. Our faith in Jesus. Anyone have some faith in Jesus? Look what it says. It transfers the righteousness of God to us and declares us flawless in his eyes. Did you all get that verse? Here's what faith in Jesus did. It transferred his righteousness to us and declared us flawless in his eyes. If you are a born-again believer in 2021, guess what? He transferred his goodness and his righteousness to you, and here's how he sees you, flawless. When you were in enmity with him and you were an enemy of his, you were not flawless. You were flawful. Is that a word? You understand what I mean by flawful? You were full of flaws. One major flaw was you did not believe that he is the son of God. That was your greatest flaw. 
But the Bible says when you put faith and you said, I believe, guess what he did? He transferred all of his righteousness into your life, and the way he looks at you right now is you're flawless. Well, I don't feel flawless. Doesn't matter. He looks at you as flawless. Let's read on. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting what? Shh. He did that to your sin nature. He did that to your imagery. He did that to your flaws. He went, shh. He said, now you have true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Has anyone in this house experienced that? He went, shh, to your sin. He went, shh, to your nature, your sinful nature. He went, shh, to your separation from him. He went, shh, to your disbelief and your unbelief, and you were destined on your travels to hell. He went, shh. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into the marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy will burst forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope and experiencing the glory of God. That's a good verse. Let me jump down to verse 10. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we're Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from the dominion of sin? And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in this relationship of living reconciled to God all because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. Guess what? You're restored. You're redeemed. You are reconciled. You are at peace with God. By putting your faith in God, guess what? You're reconciled and you're at peace with God. Now, if you've been at peace with God for a while, don't, I don't want you to just wax over that. You're at peace with God because there's a lot of people and there's a lot of stuff in the world that is not at peace with God, but you are at peace with God. God silenced. When you put faith in him, he silenced, he silenced your sin. He silenced the power of the enemy. He silenced that in your life. So when, when it's governing in your life, you come into a relationship with God. Guess what? You are destined to heaven. You are permanently in relationship with him. You are permanently in his peace. Look at someone and say, that's a big deal. And it's hard to just wrap that up into words, but you are at peace with God. If you are a believer, I'm at peace with God. The second thing, though, that the governing peace of God did was not only did it provide the peace with God, but it provided the peace of God. And those are two different things, to have peace with God, but also have the peace of God. Let me prove that to you. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 27, he, he was leaving and he, he told his disciples this. He said, I leave the gift of peace with you. Think about that. Jesus had been with them, walking with them. He was with his team. He was doing miracles. He was raising dead people. He was changing lives. And he said, I'm going to leave. They didn't want him to leave, but he said, I'm going to leave something with you. Of everything that Jesus could have left with him, guess what he left? Peace. Y'all are quiet this morning. He left peace, but then he goes on, he said, I leave my peace, not just peace, my peace. I like it goes on, and he says, my peace, and then he explains it. That's not the fragile peace given by the world, but it's my perfect peace. So don't yield to fear, don't be troubled in your hearts, but be courageous. How could God 
entrust people to be courageous in this crazy world by giving us a gift of what? Peace. Not the world's peace, his peace. He actually gave you his peace. Galatians says it this way. His spirit in you produces fruit, and that fruit is peace. It's his peace. It's not your type of peace. It's not the world's type of peace. Here's the world's type of peace. Everything's going good. I got peace. My hair looks good. I'm looking good. Circumstances are good. My kids are being good. My wife's being good. My neighbors are being good. I turn on the TV. It's all good. I like the president in the White House. I like the senators in the car. Everything's just going peachy. That's your type of peace. Because you don't have to worry about that. When gas is a certain price, inflation's a certain level, that's your peace. But what happens when all of that goes different? If you're at peace with God, then you can have the peace of God. I don't like the gas prices either, but you know what? I'm at peace with God. He's going to take care of all that. What was peace? I'm in harmony with someone else. I'm in harmony with God. He gave you his peace. It doesn't mean that we don't care about things. It just means like he promises to take care of me. He promises. Doesn't matter if the gas goes to $7 a gallon. I've got the peace of God. His peace is available even if conditions aren't favorable. Now, let me ask you a question. How did you get in peace with God? We just read about it. I put my faith in him. How do you keep walking not only in peace with God, but walk with the peace of God? I keep putting faith in that. As long as I keep putting faith. The same way you received him is the same way that you walk with him. So I receive it by faith. I keep experiencing the peace of God by what? Faith, belief, confidence in him. That's why I tell you, don't overdose on the news. You need to overdose on the word right now. Because faith cometh by hearing and watching. The more you hear CNN, constant negative news, guess what? That's not going to build your faith. It's going to make you depressed and agitated. (laughs) How many know you don't come away from the word depressed and agitated? You come away from the word what? Full of faith and full of what? Peace. Peace with God and the peace of God. Now, I told you peace with God is a big deal. And guess what? The peace of God is a big deal too. Look what Colossians says. Let your heart always be guided by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace. As part of his one body and always be what? Thankful. You can be thankful when you have the peace of God. But I, I like what it says. Always let your hearts be guided by what? Peace, not pressure, not stress, not the burden, not, not the news, not the neighbors. Are you all awake this morning? Let it be guided by peace. And here's a really cool thing. That word peace right here in this scripture, I I, want to open that word to you. Any baseball fans here? Three. 
Okay. Anyone ever seen baseball and y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. So in baseball, there's the pitcher, right? And he pitches the ball. And there's the batter who tries to hit that ball. And there's the catcher who catches that ball. But behind him is the old guy dressed in black with the mask. What's he called? The umpire. Do you know that an umpire is responsible to call a strike, a ball, foul, out, in? He calls the game. He umpires the game. He regulates the game. Do you know that this word peace right here is where we get the word umpire from? Let the peace of God call what's a strike in your life. Let the peace of God call what's outside the strike zone in your life. Let the peace of God call something out in your life. Let it call fair ball. Let it call foul ball. That's what this word means. It means to umpire. And our responsibility is to put our faith in that peace. So if we have this governing peace in our lives, the Shar Shalom, the superintendent of peace governing our lives, and guess what? We're at peace with God. We have the peace of God, and I want to focus in on this last one because we also have peace from God, and I'll explain what the difference is to that. So peace with God means I put my faith in God and Jesus as my Savior. I'm now at peace with God. I, I'm in relationship with God. I am no longer in enmity with God. He's not my enemy. The Bible says that he doesn't even call you a servant. He actually calls you what? Sons and daughters. So you're at peace with God, and that's a big deal. And because you're at peace with God, he gives you this gift in you. It's not our peace. It's not circumstantial peace. It's not philosophical peace. It's actually a gift from God. It's actually his peace. It's of his essence. But then he can also give us peace from God because there are times and moments when we're challenged with things. There are times and moments when things surprise us. There are world and conditions that we live in when we, we need to have peace directly from God at that moment. Philippians says this, don't worry about most stuff unless it's a big deal, unless you can't control it, right? Oh, no. Don't worry about some things. Oh, have you ever read stuff in the Bible and be like, that's crazy right there? Like, whoever wrote this, like, they, they don't, they lived in like a fairy tale world. Well, Paul wrote this. Probably one of the greatest apostles ever wrote most of the New Testament, encountered Jesus. He, was a, he persecuted Christians. God literally knocked him off his horse and said, quit fighting against me and follow me. Isn't it cool that God has a plan even for those who fight against him? And so Paul had revelation from God. That's why the Bible says that, uh, remember the scripture where the Bible says that he had a thorn in his flesh? A lot of people teach that wrong. Some people say he had an eye problem and he was hunched over. That's not what that scripture means. Here's what that scripture means. He was getting so much revelation on grace that the enemy was sending things against him to try to stop him. And Paul kept saying, God, take it away, take it away. And God said, my grace is bigger than that. The, the grace you're preaching about is actually bigger than that. The grace of God is bigger than your money problem right now, is bigger than your marriage problem right now, is bigger than your kids problem right now, is bigger than whatever your problem, whatever's coming against you. And God said, my grace, 
my goodness, my favor. That's the guy who wrote this. And he said, don't worry about anything. But you see what they're saying on TV? You see what's happening around the world? There's an epidemic. And Paul said, don't worry about anything. Remember the world Jesus was born into? It was a lot like today. How could Paul say, don't worry about anything? Because he knew about this peace thing. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, here's what you need to do. Pray about everything. So would it be safe to say that prayerlessness causes worry? And would it be safe to say if you pray, then you don't have to give in to worry? And by prayer, it's just bringing things to God. Are you all still with me? I'm almost done. Don't worry about anything. Instead, just pray about everything. Phil, uh, um, Paul gave a solution to the church in, in, in Philippians. He said, don't worry about anything. Just pray about everything. So tomorrow, when you get challenged to worry about something, how about you stop? Just pray about it. And then the Bible tells us what happens. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. God, I need some, I need some sanity right now. I need to know you're here right now. I need a touch from you right now. And I thank you I'm going to receive it. I thank you you're going to pull me through. I thank you you're going to break me through. I thank you you're going to deal with my wife. I thank you you're going to deal with my kids. <laughs> then look at verse 7. If you do that, look what it says. Then you will experience God's Did y'all get that? God's peace. So there's peace with God, and there's the gift of peace, and then there's just sometimes you need peace directly from God. Shh. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It just blows our minds. His peace will come and guard your heart. It will guard your mind as you live in Christ. So when we pray, which means we are dependent on him and we're grateful, the Bible says this, his peace comes and it's going to start to guard our heart and our mind. Here's why that's so important. Um, here's how you know when you're, you're not in peace. Your heart is racing and your mind is racing. Let's just take a poll. If you've been there, give me one of these. Yeah. Some people are like, it's when, it's when your heart is racing and your mind is racing and you're thinking over and over what might happen, what did happen, what could happen, how am I going to do it, how, how, why is this happening, all this stuff, over and over, your heart's racing and what do you do at that moment? Lots of things you can do, but what Paul said to do is stop, drop, and roll. No, he said stop. Pray and praise. How do I get out of this fire? Stop, pray, and praise. Isn't that what he said? Don't worry. Stop the worry. Pray about everything and thank him for who he is and what he's done. And then the peace. That's how in your life you can look at some things and go, shh. Because we have this tendency to get into agreement with the worry. 
and get into agreement with the problem and get into agreement with the news and get into agreement with those forecasts. We start rolling it over and over and thinking on it. And think. Sometimes our brains and our hearts are our worst enemies. The Bible said that what peace can do is come and guard your heart and it'll come and guard your mind. Here's why that's a big deal. The peace of God, if you're in peace with God, you have the peace of God, you can, get, you can count on peace from God. Now, now hear me on this. There's a lot of people in this crazy world that we're in, they don't have that hope. The spirit of peace to them is a spirit of fear. Hope to them, they're just wishing things would be better. They're really struggling right now. The world around you is struggling right now. Why? Because the spirit of the Antichrist, it's the spirit that's against Christ, is prevalent and has a lease on this earth right now. You can see it coming from the top down. You can see it come from around you. How many understand what I'm saying? But you, it's a big deal for you. Have, you're at peace with God. <laughs> you have the peace of God. And you can have peace from God. Then you can go to some of those situations and just shh. So how did you get in peace with God? Faith. How do you, how do you have the peace of God? Faith. And how at those moments do you get peace from God? Faith. Everything God gives is out of his goodness and his grace, but you receive it via what? Faith. Look at this scripture, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. That's our faith part right there. Keeping our thoughts fixed on him. Am I helping somebody this morning? So when we come to Christmas service and we worship and we sing those Christmas songs about that baby born in that manger under those circumstances, under those conditions, there was a prophecy way before that. God had a plan way before that to birth that baby. Now, you got to understand that little baby born in that manger was still the wonderful counselor. He was still the mighty God. He was still the everlasting father. He was still the prince of peace. And he grew up and he ministered and he set people free and he gave his life on a cross. He went to a grave. He came up out of that grave and today, you know where he's at today? He's at the throne. You know what he's doing at the throne? The Bible says he's making intercession for you. And I think his prayer would go something like this. Father, today, I am interceding for Phil. He needs it. He needs it. But what's he interceding? God, let him ask me for peace. God, let him plug into my peace. God, let his faith be so stirred that even though the world around him is crazy and it may not get, you know, a lot better anytime soon, let him, let him put a draw on my peace. Let my peace come into his house with his family, with his kids, with his wife, with his grandbaby. Let it come into his house. It may not be anywhere around him, but let it settle in his house. And then Phil has some crazy stuff going on. He starts to get into worry, starts to get a little anxious. Because what do people say this time of year? People get anxious. They get stressed. We ought to be the most peaceful right now. Let the world go crazy around. Just let it go. But somewhere he's like, you know what? 
God, I ask you for that faith. I can ask because I'm in peace with you. I ask that your peace will come into this situation. My house, let it rest on me. Let me be a carrier of your, your peace. Let, 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 let your peace saturate in my family. You know what God does? Well, that circumstance didn't change. Doesn't matter. You just heard. Shh. And if I could like say anything to you or over you or at you this morning, I'd just like you to hear God going this in your direction. Shh. Shh. Just close your eyes for a moment. I know this sounds a little different. There's some stuff been messing with you, creeping you out, keeping you up, messing with your destiny, keeping your heart unsettled, keeping your mind racing, worries, concern, all these things. And if you will, by faith, just receive this, just, just take this in. Now let me translate shh to you. Here's how it's translated. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. I got this. I wrote this down in my notes. We're going to go back to a song here. I wrote this down. The Bible says, we sang about this, his names. Wasn't that a cool song? His names. said he will be called or named the wonderful counselor, the one with the wisdom to lead you. He will be named mighty God, the ability to deliver you, the power to, de- to deliver you, lead you, deliver you. The everlasting father, the compassion to love you, the prince of peace, the presence to comfort you. That's what Isaiah said he would be called. But I want to ask you a question. What do you call him? What do you call him? That's what he said he would be called, but what do you call him? I want to let you know this. We celebrate that infant that came, but he didn't stay a baby. He did not stay a baby. That was just the starting point. I know you know that. But a few years ago, this was popularized in the media and there's a whole story behind this but there was an 8 year old girl I'm probably going to mess up her name Akian Kramerik and she started to be obsessed with Jesus and she started these paintings of angels, pictures of Jesus I don't know if you heard the story she was 8 years old she kept trying to paint what she thought would be like the perfect picture of Jesus and one day a 40-year-old carpenter knocked on her door. And she took that guy and she painted her picture of Jesus. And she called him the picture, the Prince of Peace. 
the cool thing about this was there's a, a young boy, there's a book called Heaven is Real, uh, Colton Burpo, who was three years old, and he got ill and went to heaven. And in heaven, he talks about seeing relatives, all these mysteries he saw in, in, in heaven, and all these amazing things, people he'd never even met before that were his grandparents, and he picked them out in pictures when he got well. And he kept seeing people's pictures of Jesus and he kept saying, that's not what he looks like. That's not what he looks like. And one day he got to see this picture painted by this eight-year-old girl. And he said, that's the Jesus in heaven. I want to throw that picture on the screen. And just say this to you. That's the umpire of your life. That's the shar shalom of your circumstances. That's the superintendent of your conditions. That's the that's the one you need to let continue. Call. That's out. That's out of it. That's a foul, but that's 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 out. That's that that's out. Let him call the shots, not you. Someone said that's good right there. He's the one that goes, shh. Let's stand to our feet. Did y'all get something good this morning? Can we just put a hand to heaven for a moment? Man, aren't you grateful that Isaiah predicted this right? His prediction wasn't just for 700 years later. It's actually for all of these years later. When taxes are higher and jobs are scarce and government is failing you and religion has failed you and philosophy has failed you, come on, somebody. His shoulders are big enough for where you're at right now. It's big enough to shoulder your marriage struggles, your kids' struggles, your sin struggles. His shoulders are big enough for your finances. It's big enough for your healing. And in the middle of darkness and chaos, I love how God is. Because if I was God, I would have showed up with CNN. I would have showed up with Fox. I would have showed up with ESPN. I'd have had everyone there. I'd have made a big scene. I'd have had fireworks. But somehow God just in the middle of that crazy world just went, shh on a silent night, just birth the answer, birth the peace. Anyone grateful for that?